We're going to begin this morning in Psalms chapter 24. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to chapter 24. It's always encouraging when you're um, preparing to preach and you just know all the elements of the service as you're listening to what Luke is saying and what scriptures are being read and what songs we're singing, that the Lord has a purpose. And uh, I can clearly say that the purpose of this morning is the inclination of our hearts the direction of our hearts, what are our hearts leaning to. Um, That's what my message is about, coming from the heart. That's what the Lord is concerned with, but that's what a lot of the worship has been about, the scripture reading. And so keep that in our mind this morning as we work through Psalms 24 about the heart. Would you pray with me as we begin? God, we thank you that you are here, that you have set apart purpose here for our hearts. The inclination of our heart, God, may it be you and you alone. God, speak to us this morning through your word. Unless you show up and do something, God, all of this is in vain. It doesn't matter unless you speak. God, we pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you may have your will done today. May you use me. God, may you use your word. May we be quick to listen. God, help clear our minds of all the distractions going on. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Originally, um, I was going to be preaching Psalms 24, the entire passage of Psalms 24. As I started working through this message, it broke it up into two messages. And the first message was only on verses 1 through 2, and the next was going to be all the way to verse 10. So I started working on verses 1 through 2 only to find I needed to split up the one I'd already split up. So we're going to work through verses 1 through 2, but I'm only going to get through about half today. So it's really three messages out of Psalms 24 that you'll be hearing over the next couple of weeks. But Psalms chapter 24, the first two verses this morning, maybe in your Bible, the King of Glory is what this is titled, a Psalm of David, beginning in verse 1. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. The practical implications of these two verses in the life of us as believers are huge. Intellectually, we may all believe, well, of course I believe all of this is God's. The earth is his. I know that. But I want to get practically this morning. Practically, do we really believe the earth is his? Observation number one, the earth is the Lord's. Observation number two, the earth and everything in the earth is the Lord's. Do we really believe that? And practically, do we live that out? Observation three, the earth, everything in the earth, and those who dwell on the earth are the Lord's. To really believe something means it changes how we live our life. It means it changes how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we treat people, how we come into relationships, what we say, what we do. All of these things practically matter, how we interpret these verses. If we say we just believe them and and then we don't live our life that way, we don't really know, we don't really believe. And so I want to look at this, what it means that the earth is the Lord's, everything in the earth is the Lord's, and those who dwell on the earth are the Lord's. 
kind of reminded me, if you have a mortgage or you have payments on a car or a house, you say it's yours, right? But ultimately, you know it's not. But we treat it like ours. I mean, if you have a house with a mortgage on it, you don't call the bank asking them if you can paint something, right? You just go ahead and do it because it's yours. But really, if you owe at least one penny on it, it's not really yours yet. Well, this illustration doesn't work with Psalms 24. Because the Bible says we don't own anything. We're not part owners. We're not co-owners. We own absolutely nothing because the Lord owns it all. So I have an illustration here. I want everyone to reach into your pockets this morning. I don't see anybody moving. So I'll try again. Everyone reach into your pockets this morning. I think there's something here every single one of us has. I hear car keys. I hear some change, maybe a pen. But I want everyone to reach in your pockets this morning and grab some lint. <laughs> lint. So if you're a lady this morning, you don't have any pockets, I'm sure somebody beside you can lend you some lint. But when you find some lint... Put it in the palm of your hand. Put it in the palm of your hand. For those of you wearing blue jean Levi's this morning, you, you, lucky day to wear them because those always have the big, massive amounts of lint, you know, because nobody ever pulls that, especially the little change pocket, right? Go for the change pocket. So share some of that lint. I want you to hold it out. These are new pants. I, I should have brought some lint from my other pants and put it in here. But according to God's word, your house, I say yours, the car, the stuff in your home, and even the lint in the palm of your hand doesn't belong to you. We're not even worthy to own lint, okay? That's what Scripture says. It's all the Lord's. So I want to look into the implications of what this means. You can put the lint back in your pocket, okay? It's going to be lint all over the floor this morning. But according to Psalms and all over the Bible, we're called stewards, managers over the things God has allowed us to look after, caretakers, because it's all his. Verse 2, why? Because he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. It's hard for us to even comprehend because God, by the power and majesty of his own voice, created everything out of nothing. That term there is ex nihilio, Meaning, out of nothing, God created everything with the power of his own voice. He made it. We can make something, but you have to give us some supplies first. God took nothing and created through words. And that's why he owns it all this morning. And if we're stewards, the Bible says something about us as stewards. As believers, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it's going to be on the screen for us this morning. It is required of stewards that they be found faithful. It is required. There's not many things in the Bible that say it is required, especially in the New Testament. It's like a, a period of grace, but it says it is required that stewards be found faithful. It's almost saying if somebody's not faithful, they're not even a steward, they're not even a believer. And, and really, we should look at our lives and analyze am I generous? with anything. Because scripture almost says it is required that if somebody is a believer that their life would exemplify grace, goodness, generosity, not selfishness or pride or withholding onto things. It is required that they be found faithful. We pray that we may be a church that is faithful, believers that are faithful. My prayer this morning 
would be that God reveals areas in all of our lives where we can become more faithful servants of Him. More faithful stewards. There's four areas in the next two messages that I want to look at, but we're only going to get to three today. The first area is our body as stewards. Our body. Secondly, our time. Stewards over time. Third, possessions. The things God allows us to possess when we say mine or ours. And then fourth, it's going to be a future week, finances, our finances. And again, I'm only going to be able to cover three of these, but I'm not going to go into neither this message or future messages, any type of law or mandate or requirement, because a lot of times that's what we want. We want to hear, hey, what do I need to do? What's the minimum payments I can make, right? That's a lot of times a question we ask God subconsciously. How often should I pray? What percentage of my income should I give, etc.? I'm not going to touch any of those things because God is not concerned about that. He's concerned about, like I said earlier, our heart. The inclination of our heart, why we do what we do. We see the Pharisees and religiously prideful people of Jesus' day ask those type of questions. So we don't need to ask those questions. How much do I need to give? How often should I give? How often should I pray? When should I do that? How often should I fast? How many times should I have to forgive somebody else? That's not something we should lay down on each other or the Lord lays down. And he's taught us this all the way through the Old Testament to the New Testament. In 1 Samuel 15, for example, in the Old Testament, verse 22, Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. In the name of Christ, unfortunately, far too many churches and those standing representing God have asked inappropriately for finances, possession, time. They've done it manipulatively. They've done it destructively. All sorts, and you've seen this done. So that's why I say this goes back between you and your relationship with the Lord and what the inclination of your heart is. The Lord is concerned about our hearts, always has been and is today. I want to begin with our body. Beginning with our body. For most of us, we don't even really consider this a possession. We just consider, hey, this is me. If I didn't have a body, I wouldn't exist. So to have a body means it's me. But the Bible says, and it's a glorious truth for us as believers, that our body is not really us. This is not what lives eternally. My soul, my spirit, my mind that I've been learning about God is what goes on to live. This is good news as we get older and begin to break down, right? As soon as you're hitting like 28, right? You start breaking down, right? And so that's what I heard. You start getting back problems around the age of 28, which is about where I'm at, getting back problems now. And so only thinking... You guys can tell me what that's like farther ahead, but it's a glorious truth. We sang about it this morning. I'll fly away. I'll fly away. No more pain. No more sickness. It's a glorious truth that as believers, this is not us. But it's a possession. It's something God has given us. I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, says this. I still hear some pages turning, so. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. You can interpret that scripture just meaning spiritually, your soul has been bought with a price. But then it goes on and it says this, so glorify God in your body. Our culture today doesn't glorify God in their body. They glorify man. They glorify one another. They glorify all the deceptions of sin. That's what they do. I know just yesterday, if you keep track with some of these things, on Valentine's Day, one of the big box office movies that came out was Fifty Shades of Grey, where our culture is now normalizing what used to be pornography and sexuality and everything opposite from good they're now calling good. So much so that everyone's flocking to go see that. What is going on? Well, they're not glorifying God with their bodies because they don't see their bodies as from the Lord. As believers, we should see our bodies as something given to us from the Lord. How many of you have ever had an opportunity, maybe when you're younger, or maybe now that you've driven maybe a car you knew you couldn't afford? Somebody allowed you to borrow it. They said, hey, take it for a, a test drive. And you kind of sit in. If it's one of the fancy cars, you kind of slide in sideways, right? I mean, you drive that car differently. I mean, you back out differently. You park it differently. You go around corners differently because I can't even afford the insurance on this car, let alone buy the car. Well, that's, why don't we ever look at our bodies that way? We just kind of take it for granted. I have this body. A uh, connect group question. If you're in a connect group, you're going to be going over this question, but a question for us this morning. If we treated our eyes, if we treated our minds and our bodies as on loan from the Lord, how would your life be different? If we treated our ears on loan from the Lord. Our bodies have been given to us by God for the purpose of glorifying Him and Him alone. If we understood this was on loan from the Lord, He was coming in to check in on it, would we listen to the same stuff we listen to? Would we watch the same stuff? Would we allow the same type of stuff to be in our home? Would we hang out with the same type of people? Would we take in the same type of substances we do? Something to think about. Our bodies, we have to be good stewards over. They're for glorifying God. Speaking of physical bodies, what about our spouse? Right? If you're married, we automatically sometimes think of our spouse as ours. When the scripture says they've been given to us by God. They are a gift. My wife is a treasure. She's, she's not here. So, not you, Terry. My other wife, right? Inside joke here at the church probably inappropriate. That's why we write out our manuscripts, so we don't do that. So you can cut that out, right? So my wife is a treasure to me, something I don't deserve. I mean, husbands, look around. Look at your wife or look at you. Look at your wife, look at you, right? We understand we didn't deserve her. It wasn't our looks that got her. It's by God's grace, his goodness, his kindness that we have a spouse at all. And so God has blessed us with this way. How are we leading our wife? 
Are we leading her in ways of godliness? Are we leading our family in ways of godliness? James 1.17, every good gift, if we read this to our wife yesterday on Valentine's Day, this would have been a very good thing to read. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What about our children? Scripture teaches God has given us our children as a blessing from the Lord. Do we treat our children as from the Lord or just our children? I think a lot of times if I treated my child as from the Lord, I would do things differently with them than if they were my own child. Psalms 127, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. A connect group question that our groups will be discussing this week. If you're not in a connect group, I encourage you to join one as they break down these sermons. But a connect group question. Would you parent or grandparent differently if there was a date in the near future where the Lord was going to show up and ask how things were coming along? I thought about this as a parent. If the Lord was going to show up six months from now and ask me, hey, how is my son that I've entrusted you with doing? What have you taught him about his heavenly father recently? What are you doing with him? Show up asking about his daughter. If there was a date in the future and and you knew the Lord was coming back to check in and you were just taking care of them, would we parent, would we grandparent differently? What a privilege responsibility God has entrusted us with as parents and grandparents. That's why we have children's ministry and student ministry here with men and women who love the Lord, who are working on growing those relationships. That's why we encourage you to do at-home Bible studies with your family. Encourage us to find ways to do this in our busy schedules. I want to move to time. Time. Psalms 90 verse 12 says this, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. It's almost like scripture saying to get a heart of wisdom means you need to number your days. Well, how do we do that? We don't know when the end is for us. And that's the point. If we live that way, we'll, we'll do things with our time differently. I mean, most of us are not going around, man, I just wasted a lot of time. Could have been doing something more beneficial with that. We just take it for granted. We've been given time. It's just kind of the status quo that we have time. Same thing with our bodies. If I didn't have time, I'd be dead, right? So we don't really worry about either one. We don't really realize they've been given to us by God. I want to share about a movie that I had saw some time back. And in this movie, everything revolves around time. They actually see, the characters in this movie, they can actually look down and see on their wrist how much time they have left. And they see years, months, weeks, days, minutes, seconds, and it's always counting down. Some people have more time than others. When they go to work, they work for time, and the time gets added to their clock. When they buy food, it gets taken away. When they buy a car, it gets taken away. Everything revolves around time. It's a deeply, it's not a spiritual movie, but to a believer watching it, it's a deeply convicting, thought-provoking movie. Because you think about this concept, time's not something we think about at all. And in this movie, the main character only has a couple hours every day to live. 
And he's always going to work, barely staying ahead. He doesn't have any time for free time or fun things. He's going to work, wake up, go to sleep, go to work, wake up, go to sleep. And he encounters somebody who's willing to give him the rest of their life. It's like 80 years. And he gave him all that time and he left him a note and he told him, don't waste my time. As believers, that concept, are we wasting the time the Lord has given us? Whether you're 12, 21, 80, you have time and you have been given time from the Lord. I mean, maybe you're older and you feel like you wasted your whole life. That should bring about kindness and repentance that the Lord has still allowed you to continue to live even though you wasted so much time. He still has a purpose for you now because you're still here. What generosity, what mercy God has given us that even if we've wasted time, he still allows us time to do things in the future for him. As we think about time, we need to think about this is something God has given us. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says this, just as it is appointed for man to die once, after that comes judgment. I don't want to scare anybody, but it's something for us to think about. God says in his word, we have an appointment. That word appointed. There is an appointed day each and every single one of us has that we're going to keep that appointment on time. We're going to come face to face with the Lord and we are going to come and be held accountable for how we have stewarded his resources, his time, the body he gave us. And we're going to have to stand before him. It's not a righteous judgment standing before him for sin. If we're believers, that's been taken care of. But as believers, we are going to be held accountable in some sense before the Lord over our stewardship. We must be good stewards. And there's a day coming for all of us. We don't know when it is where we are going to have to stand before the Lord and give an accounting of how we lived our life. We can't waste the time he has given us. Speaking of time, another connect group question for you to think about this morning. A hundred years from now, what do you think will have mattered most in this life? I encourage you to make a list. What will have mattered most in this life? Raising your children. For the Lord. I mean, if your children grow up successful, millionaires, married with a beautiful family, a beautiful home, and all of those things, but they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, then we have not done our job as parents. And it's not too late. We can go pursue that. But that's what it means. Looking at some of these things, a hundred years from now, is it going to matter blank? And make a list. And then compare your life. With what's on that list, are we living that way? Because majority of the time, I spend my time on me. Or I spend my time on my family because I love them, which is still a focus on me, right? We should be spending our time on the Lord and doing things out of the right heart motive for the Lord and the possessions that we have in our body. I do it to glorify God because I was bought with a price. I don't own myself as a believer. He owns me. Our possessions. I want to move to our possessions. I have a couple of scriptures that I'm going to work through here. The Lord is very clear about our possessions. I think he's very clear because we have a hard time with all of this, right? 
We like our stuff. Well, our possessions, Exodus 19.5, these are just going to be listed. The Lord says, all the earth is mine. Declarative, mine. Leviticus 25.23, the land is mine. And you are but aliens and my tenants here. Haggai 2.8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Job 41.11, whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. God is very clear. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's his. The Lord declares mine. He continues on, Romans 11.36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. Psalms 24.1. The one we're looking at today. The earth is the Lord's. Everything in it and everyone who dwells on it is the Lord's. 1 Timothy 6-7. We've brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it either. The Lord makes it very clear. It's not because he's selfish. It's because he made it all. We can't own anything. If we could, we would be God and we are not. It's in his nature that he owns it all. He has to own it all. So I want you to think, what about the stuff that we have? What about the car you drove to the church this morning, the car out in the parking lot? Do you consider it his? Or do you consider it his that he just allows you to borrow, but you really act like it's yours? And I started thinking of this concept before I started writing the message a week and a half ago. And I said, you know, the car in our driveway, if I really believed it was the Lord's car, started thinking about what that would actually mean in my life, practically speaking. If I really believed this was his car, I probably would keep it more clean. And then I started thinking, you know, we do the Dave Ramsey thing in our household, which we're going to do a Dave Ramsey class, by the way, in a couple of months. But we do the Dave Ramsey thing, so we always buy a used car. So our car never looks new, right? It always has blemishes and things. But if it was the Lord's car, and I acted that way, I would wash it more. So I was just convicted. I was overwhelmed by a thankfulness. The Lord even allows us to have a car that I went out and washed our car for God's glory that Saturday, right? My neighbors are like, that's the first time in four years we've ever seen him wash a car, probably. So I'm washing the car, and after I was done, man, my, my soul was just overwhelmed with joy of being able to do that. It wasn't out of obligation or I have to. It was, I get to wash the Lord's car. So I washed it and I thought afterwards, this is not good enough. This is the Lord's 2006 Ford wagon, right? So I went and detailed it, washed or cleaned out all the inside. I I hand waxed it. The first time I've hand waxed a, a car in a long time. This is how we should treat the Lord's stuff. I mean, we we should have a different perspective on these things. Not because we have to, but because we get to. I want you to think when you leave church today and you jump in your car, normally you just drive away. I mean, allow this to sink in that the Lord has allowed you to have some of these things. This is the right perspective that we are to have. God says in his word that his kindness is what sometimes leads us to repentance. It's not always just his wrath or his judgment which also can lead us to repentance, that we've broken all of his laws, we continue to break his laws. That, But then also compare that to his kindness that he, he generously gives to us. A spouse, 
and a family and friends and a church home and his word and possessions and all these things he allows us to have. It's that kindness that should say, God, you truly are God. I am not. I submit to you. That's what it means to trust in Christ, submitting to him for what he's done to you or for you on the cross. I mentioned earlier in my message, my goal this morning was to help change our perspective of the Lord and our perspective of ourselves. I recently saw a video that really touched me, and it helped me have a more clear perspective of the Lord in a different way. Before we get to that video, I want to begin with a picture that kind of leads us there. In March 10th of 2004, the Hubble telescope was pointed at a patch of sky the size of a grain of sand held at arm's length. So imagine a grain of sand held at arm's length, and there was nothing in that patch of sky, but whenever the image came back, that's what showed up. There was nothing they could see, and over 10,000 different galaxies revealed itself. And that's what opened up many scientists' eyes to the incredible vastness of our universe, that there was nothing, and that's only a grain of sand. I mean, you think how many grains of sand would fill up your view of the sky? That's only one portion of that. Well, January 5th, 2015, just a few weeks ago, the largest NASA Hubble telescope in space took, took a sweeping view of the nearest galaxy to us called the Andromeda Galaxy. This is the largest picture ever taken in size, but I want us to get a clear perspective of who we serve, who has allowed us to have some things, who God is. And this is not seeing him. This is just seeing some things he's done. And so I have a video for us. It's going to start with looking. You're going to see a mountain, but you're going to see where it zooms in and zooms in some more and zooms in some more and help to give us a clear perspective of the Lord. Let's take a look. I don't know if that video had the same effect on all of you that it did for me. That's only his handiwork. You know, really, after I watched it, I just thought, I am undone. It reminded me of Isaiah 6, when he saw the Lord and his glory, and he said, Woe is me, I am lost, I am a man of unclean lips. That the Lord has given us his son, he's given us salvation, he's blessed us with so many things, and we continue in an attitude, even knowing his blessings and his mercy and his goodness and seeing things like this in his creation, and that's just one small aspect to where our projector can't even see, it's just glaring white because there's so many millions of stars. Every single one, its own solar system. That's the type of God that we serve. That's the type of king, if you're a Christian, that we have. That's who has allowed us to have some things as stewards. Deuteronomy 10, 14, Behold, to the Lord your God belongs heaven, and the highest heavens, the earth and all that's in it. Psalms 19, 1, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. I know for me, I came to the realization to think that I make so much about me, that I struggle with giving to the Lord, that I struggle with volunteering for things with my time, 
that I want to do something for myself rather than somebody else. That many times we don't think anything about the Lord. We just think about ourselves throughout the rest of the week. I mean, can you imagine a God like that sitting up there thinking that? Like, what are these people doing? I know that's what I would be thinking. Like, what I've done so much for them. I've blessed them this way and this way and this way and this way and this way. And they, they struggle with that. They struggle giving that or thinking about that or speaking in that way or loving their spouse. I mean, all these things should break us. But the Lord is patient and long-suffering and loving and merciful and still, still gives us good things. It's still kind. That should overwhelm us like, wow, the type of God we serve is so much bigger than I thought he was. He continues to teach me new things. How encouraging it is that when he should be upset at us, squabbling over minor things, he still loves us, encourages us, and gives us new glories each and every day. We have salvation because he first gave us his son. We have life because he gave us life. We have a spouse and children and families and a home and possessions because he has showered his kindness on us. When we have a right perspective of the Lord, it changes everything in our life. It should change us who we are. It should change how we react to situations should change our thinking about our stuff, about our time, about our bodies, about our finances, about everything. This is why believers should be so radically different because God is so incredibly good to us. We are stewards, and I pray that we be faithful stewards. I want to end Billy Graham speaking to all of his employees at his organization once said that he expected that some of them would receive greater rewards in heaven than he would. The people that worked in the office answering the phones and things like that, he could immediately tell that all the people listening to him really doubted, wondering, well, you have to be kidding, right? You must have said that wrong. And he got very serious and he told them, do you not understand that God rewards faithfulness, not fruitfulness? God rewards faithfulness. So that's why this is between you and the Lord of what he's blessed you with and how we must be faithful stewards. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 1 Corinthians 4.2, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we pray that we may be a church that is faithful to you. God, may we be individuals, husbands, wives, children that are faithful. God, we need a perspective change often. God, we thank you for being patient with us. God, we are so self-centered. And we thank you for stepping in and helping us see that and change us and grow us and love us and encourage us anyways, God. We don't deserve that. We should be overwhelmed by your goodness in our lives. 
God, we thank you for your kindness that can lead us to repentance as well. God, help us to be faithful to you in all the areas you've called us to. God, it's not out of obligation or guilt, but it's out of a heart of gratefulness and gratitude for what you've done because of who you are, because of your greatness. God, I pray that as we close, we may worship you and that it may not just be the close of the service, but it may be a time of us calling out and worshiping you in your greatness and your glory. God, we give you praise today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.